Welcome viewers and listeners to CHP Talks. Here we are again uh, in between Christmas and New Year's to discuss with Tanya Gaw some of the things that are going on in the country. Uh, Tanya, uh, thanks for being with us today, and I'm going to give you a brief introduction, but thanks for taking the time to be with us in this busy season. Good to be here, Rod. Yeah. So uh, Tanya is a repeat uh, visitor to or repeat guest on our uh, talk, and I'm just going to bring up um, the bio I have for her, if it will cooperate. <laughs> And uh, just tell you a little bit about Tanya. First of all, she is the founder of Action for Canada, and that's been around for unbelievably six and a half years. I remember meeting Tanya before Action for Canada was a thing, and uh, it's really exciting to see what God has been doing uh, through her in this great organization. Uh, she is a committed Christian, <clears throat> a defender of faith, family, and freedom, similar to our uh, uh, motto, Life, Family, and Freedom. Uh, she is the founder of Action for Canada, along with co-founder Valerie Price. So Action for Canada, if you don't know, is a grassroots, not-for-profit organization committed to upholding the Canadian Constitution and the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. So important. Um, and she began her personal journey six years ago, working to give the silent majority a voice through letter-writing campaigns, petitions, and rallies. Um, the Action for Canada is also involved in having com commenced legal actions against the BC and federal government as of August 16, 2021. And I think uh, Tanya will bring us up to date on those uh, things. But she says that her greatest mission is to declare that Canada is founded on Judeo-Christian biblical principles, forming our laws and our values, and it provides a system of governance that sets us apart from totalitarian extremist and communist regimes. And because of that, she says, we have the freedom to believe or not to believe without fear of persecution, oppression, or death as takes place in so many other countries. So uh, that's a, a great uh, background, uh, Tanya. Thanks for um, helping us to understand what you do and why you do it. So we're gonna just launch in now. Uh, Action for Canada is growing. I know it is. And can you describe that a little bit, what's going on with uh, new chapters and things like that? Yeah, thank you, Rod. Uh, it certainly is. I've said from the beginning that Action for Canada is not only God-breathed, but God-inspired. And six and a half years ago, I, I was telling you earlier, I was so green, right? I was just a regular Canadian citizen, raising my kids, helping in the community. And um, when Justin Trudeau was running for office, it was just so extremely concerning. And uh, some of those first policies, I felt, you know, there was a need to start a letter writing campaign. I didn't realize it was going to grow into a call to action campaign and then later to action for Canada. But uh, that's why I say it was God breathed and God inspired. I'd never been a writer in the past. And so when you're crafting a letter, they were very lengthy back in those days, because I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, these members of parliament and the senators, they just, you know, they have no idea about this information. Right. And that's why I say it was a little green and naive, yeah. because um, most certainly they did. And uh, communism and tyranny were slipping in even back then, uh, getting a strong foothold. And so it just uh, became more and more evident over the years. And so that's sort of how Action for Canada began. 
And of course, when COVID-19 hit, uh, there became another opportunity that legal action needed to commence uh, because there was no asking pretty please or writing a letter to them to undo, right, what it is, the destructive policies that they were bringing into place. So it's been an interesting journey for sure. Well, how how, uh, Action for Canada has grown is uh, amazing to me. It's just uh, taken off like wildfire. And I think sometimes uh, you said you were green uh, in the political realm. Uh, sometimes God doesn't tell us everything ahead of time because we wouldn't necessarily get involved if we knew what he was asking of us and what he was preparing us for. That's the that's the key component is uh, none of us can do this stuff on our own. Yeah. We need the help of Almighty God to lead us, guide us, instruct us, and give us uh, the grace, the anointing, the perseverance, uh, the courage, the, and the provision and protection to do what we're doing. Uh, and um, that include you and many other organizations in that that are working to make this country a better place. So uh, you're starting chapters of Action for Canada in various cities and communities across the country, or they are starting. I don't know if you're starting them, but people are wanting to get involved. And can you uh, tell us what's going on there? Yeah, I'll just go back when you had said, you know, how how Action for Canada has grown. When I started this six and a half years ago, I had maybe 12 people on my email list. And so I'd write a letter and then, you know, hesitantly send it. What are they going to think if I send this letter to them? But I thought it was important. And so it grew to about a list of 500. And now we're up over 80,000 people that regularly get um, our emails and respond to them and are part of this journey. And if it was when we look at where we were even a year ago, beginning to create the um, actions Mm. for businesses, trying to bring attention. We had a boots on the ground business campaign where we'd have just regular people heading out to businesses with our resources, letting them know, seeing how they're doing and letting them know that the government, you know, was uh, really trying to destroy small businesses in favor of large corporations. Then we began uh, a parent campaign that I had started uh, the pastor campaign, and it just sort of grew into a point where we had materials for pretty much everybody, notices of liability, etc. So as the year progressed, um, I'd always had it in my heart for many years to have chapters in every single riding across Canada, and even beyond that, because sometimes we know a riding in a smaller town community can have five towns included in one riding. So I said, we're not only going to be in every riding, but every town, and we're going to take back our school board trustees. Uh, We're going to take back our municipalities and our provincial and federal legislatures. So in in mid-summer, I turned to our team and I said, you know, I think it's time that we really start focusing on the chapters. I'd been putting out a few appeals. We were trying to get all of these different programs in place as priorities. We felt those were priorities. And then we were, we got a new tech person, Ray, about a year ago, who's just been amazing, who was setting up postal code systems and the rest of it. So it developed. And I just say God's timing just really moved together. So that in the summer when we said, okay, we're going to really focus on chapters, not only were we going to set up a, you know, a chapter in Toronto or a chapter in New Brunswick, but we were going to have materials for them. And so they could go to a rally, they could have business materials, 
materials for parents, pastors, whomever it is, get them involved in the communities and start groups um, of such. So parents could go after the school boards, business owners, you know, may decide to go after municipalities and their local uh, elected uh, officials, say uh, provincially, etc. So in August, I'd say we had about 10 chapters, and now we've got over 110. <laughs> so, that, that is fast growth. And I know uh, there is activity in my uh, community, the Bulkley Valley, uh, Smithers and Telqua area of northern British Columbia. And uh, of course, there are people that are concerned about the loss of freedoms in this country, the loss of, um, as you mentioned, business opportunity for small business. So people are losing, losing their businesses, uh, losing their jobs and all kinds of Terrible things are happening. We know the uh, tax increases will be coming as our current prime minister <clears throat> and his lackeys uh, continue to rack up debts for our grandchildren. <clears throat> so it's very concerning the times we live in and, and the a narrative out there, which is why groups like yours and, and our party and other groups uh, need to be educating the public is the public is not getting the information through the regular channels, uh, the yeah. mainstream media, the press media and broadcast media uh, are ignoring some of the biggest issues and uh, even making it difficult uh, censoring even on social media, some of some of this uh, important information. So you are uh, among the groups uh, and a, a central player, I think, in uh, conveying important information that balances the official narrative, particularly right now about COVID and the lockdowns and, and vaccine safety and efficiency, but, but about a lot of other issues as well regarding uh, the family, regarding uh, protection of innocent human life. And yeah. uh, so uh, we, with these uh, chapters, so, so what is their role going to be uh, as, as they meet locally? Uh, how can they uh, work to uh, forward or to uh, further the the goals that you have for the organization. Well, one of the biggest campaigns that we started back in the spring was uh, serving notices of liability. And originally, I was putting together a, um, well, I called it a mask exemption at the time. But talking to Rocco, he said, if you feel you need to be exempt from something, then you're buying into what it is that they're saying. Right. And I've, I've been a huge uh, um, advocate for the fact that we have a constitution and charter rights that guarantee us our freedoms. They were never permitted to lock down Canada to the extent that they have, not even close. One, they never demonstrably proved that we were even in an emergency and a pandemic is not even uh, on the radar. It would be more natural disaster, hurricane, flood, etc. And that certainly wouldn't have been nationwide, but um, an act of war possibly, you know, then we would have had some restrictions and that would have been reasonable, but they needed to demonstrably prove. So in the spring, we're looking at our children who had been now abused for over a year, being forced to wear masks at nearly 0% risk of contracting or transmitting, you know, this virus. And uh, so we had this, I, I changed it to a non-consent. And it was a non-consent of all things COVID. 
And for the parents who were brave enough to actually use it, we had extremely good results. The masks are coming off the children. And almost as soon as I had finished that project, they started to commence that 12 to 17 year olds could get vaccinated and they didn't need parental consent. And my heart was just sick about this. So day and night, I worked to craft the notice of liability that was on behalf of parents to sign on behalf of children to non-consent for any COVID vaccination. And so teachers were being served principals. Um, our team had served every single, uh, uh, the head of every teacher's union in Canada, every territory, every province, the head of the unions were served a notice of liability as well as every minister of education. In BC, we served all 60 school board trustees and we've had extremely good results on a campaign that we recommenced in, in the fall. And so as the notices of liability went out, I remember talking to uh, Rocco in June, it was something to do with our statement of claim. And he goes, hey, did you hear what's happening with the union in, uh, in, in Ontario? And I said, no. He said, they're sending letters to the teachers saying, do not discuss vaccination in class. And of course, this was a huge uh, uh, beginning of the wins that we were going to be accomplishing because they were announcing it over PA systems in schools saying, hey, kids, you can come and get vaccinated. You don't need your parents' consent. School board, board trustees were, were announcing this. And so we were shutting it down real quick. Um, so from the notice of liability for students, I had a friend who was put on notice that he was going to lose his job if he didn't vaccinate. So I started the notice of liability for employees to serve to employers. And that went to one for the unions as well as elected officials. So we were very busy over the summer commencing all of these notices of liability. And then I finally crafted one against the uh, all COVID testing because it's completely unlawful. So where some companies were saying, okay, you, do, you don't have to take the vaccination, but you're gonna have to test three times a week. No, you don't, especially with a fraudulent PCR test that gives over a 97% false positive and is all part of prolonging uh, this agenda to say that we're in a pandemic when we're not. So that, that moved all the way through to fall. Just hold mm -hmm. you for a second. Uh, you and I have uh, used this phrase for quite some time, notice of liability, but uh, there may be a, one or two of our listeners who don't know <clears throat> what is referred to by a notice of liability. What, what's implied in that uh, document and how is it used? Right. So this is letting people know it opens up by saying whether it's employer, teacher, whomever, elected officials saying you are unlawfully practicing medicine by prescribing, recommending, advertising, incentivizing, coercing somebody to take an experimental injection referred to as the COVID-19 um, mRNA vaccine. And then it goes on to uh, provide I think it's nearly 10 links on the PCR testing where countries have deemed that it was uh, being, it was um, not effective and not reliable. Uh, even Bonnie Henry in BC had said where we're all saying it gives a 97% false positive. She's saying it gives a false negative and, you know, we need, but never stopped her in February of this year from, from taking a look at it or removing it. And back in the summer, they were already talking about the PCR test uh, gates and Fauci saying they wouldn't be using it because uh, uh, as of December 31st. 
So for the last five months, they've continued to use it, knowing that it's not effective. And now all of a sudden they're coming out and saying, yeah, you know, it's it, we're going to put a stop to it. And whatever test they're going to come up with next, I'm sure is going to line their pockets with more money. Right. And so the notice of liability then goes through some criminal code, Supreme Court rulings. <laughs> And uh, just lets the recipient know exactly that what they're doing is uh, in violation of the guaranteed rights of the individual uh, with whom they are trying to uh, exert authority upon that they don't have authority over. Yeah. And and so people say, oh, it's a legal document. And I say, well, no, it's not. Initially, it's not a legal document. But when we go to the next step, it becomes legal evidence. It becomes evidence that you warned this person to stop and to cease and desist, or you would hold them responsible for any financial loss or for any harm that comes upon you. And as a next step, we're actually, we've had great success. We've had employees report that they, they served their employer and their employer right away backed off from vaccination. We've got uh, children that have been protected. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the BC campaign because I really think it's worth uh, talking about. So we've had great success with them, but when it came to the corporations and the unions, especially with the federal workers all losing, losing their positions. So we got a massive amount of people who are serving unions and, and their um, corporate or federal employers but they're not backing down. So what we're doing next is we're actually going to lay criminal charges against them for extortion, intimidation. And for those who took the experimental injection and have um, been harmed by them, we're going to apply uh, assault charges, right? Well, because they were... I just wanted to point out, there's, there's two ways that employees are being harmed by this coercive uh, action of their employer. And of course the federal government is, and the provincial governments are trying to get uh, other organizations to take the hit, you know, to take the responsibility. They want businesses or uh, health regions or school, school boards to take the hit, <clears throat> but it, you could be harmed by failing to cooperate with their coercive uh, attempts, and in which case losing your job, et cetera, not being able to fly all these uh, uh, things they're holding over your head, <clears throat> or you could be harmed by taking the vaccine. Right. And as many people are discovering, uh, you know, the, and the VAERS reports and so on show that so many people have been damaged by the vaccine. So either way, <clears throat> accepting their, their uh, authority to force you to uh, take a take an action that you don't want to take uh, is harmful. So, uh, Well, it's like playing Russian roulette, right? Yeah. It, and I know I'm hearing constantly, I know one lady um, and her husband that I, I work with, she has uh, 15 friends that she know got the, got the jet, took the jab, and out of the 15, six have died. Mm -hmm. uh, my, uh, somebody else that's very dear to me, uh, she's 25 years old. Both her parents got double jabbed, uh, because they've got a place in the States. Four of their friends have died of heart attacks. Wow. And a couple of weeks ago, grandma died. She was a perfectly healthy, she'd been a nurse. Uh, she was trying to encourage this young woman to get the uh, jab as well, but she stood strong. She said, no way, because she, she knows what I'm doing and she's been right. well, well informed. And grandma took it, guess what she died of? A heart attack. Yeah. 
perfectly healthy woman. And, and this isn't the end of it. Like I've got a, a woman who's got four really ill children. She's a nurse. She felt compelled to take it. Um, horrific, horrific side effects. And her children are special needs. And she is the main provider in their household. It is nonstop. You cannot take this jab. Yeah. And if you say, well, I took it and I'm fine. I always say, say, thank God, because you probably got, uh, you know, the placebo, which we know they were doing because if they gave everybody the jab at the same time and everybody was dropping like flies, nobody would line up anymore or believe what the MSM was saying, right? mainstream media. So it's been frightening to sit back and watch. And it's driven me to work extremely hard to mm -hmm. make sure that people have the resources that they need to protect themselves. And even those who many nurses, uh, medical people who are being put on unpaid leave, the advantage of serving, even if you've already been put on unpaid leave, which is unlawful, uh, I just want to let you know if you, you're in that position, an employer cannot put you on unpaid leave. Only you can request to be put on unpaid leave. It's not a thing. They don't have the authority to do that. So you serve them a notice of liability. I've got this additional letter. It's um, I call it the drop the mic letter because I am going to show it to you. It's that good. <laughs> and I figure after almost every point in there, this whole thing should just stop and people should stop complying. So what it will do, even if you've already been put on unpaid leave, serve your employer, get conversation going with them and let them know that it has come to your awareness that they had no authority uh, to put you on unpaid leave, that this is unlawful and that you're going to hold them personally liable, not as a manager, not as a supervisor. I don't care if they're a doctor. You're going to hold them personally liable because as a citizen in Canada, they have a duty and an obligation to uphold the law. They couldn't go in and rob a bank. They couldn't sexually assault you in a week or slap you three times a week to come to work as a condition of work. They most certainly do not have the authority to demand that you take a lethal injection that we know is going to cause you harm. So it, it is so insidious, uh, but we've got the means to protect you. And it is going to be all of our work coming into the new year to make sure that the low hanging fruit the managers who were too afraid to stand up or the supervisors or the union shop steward, they are going to have a shock and a surprise because we're going to come after them with the rule of law. And uh, that will stop uh, the people on the ground from assisting the government in their unlawful activities. None of this is legal. Yeah. So in other words, you're telling them they can't hide behind the thing. Well, the government made me do it or the right. devil made me do it. Because they, uh, as a human being, they have a responsibility, a moral responsibility to do what is right. And there are, uh, aside from, you know, the inherent laws that we all understand as human beings, the uh, laws of nature, but there are actual, the law of Canada, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, uh, gives us freedoms from being coerced. And the government is just simply pretending that it has the right to override those freedoms. I think. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, the Honorable Brian Peckford has uh, laid out, as you know uh, very well, um, the fact that the, they, the first section one of the Constitution of the Charter, they they rely on that, but it has four, four phrases in there that they are ignoring, and that's ju uh, reasonably justified or uh, demonstrably justified 
And uh, the other particular one is uh, um, that they, uh, the reasonable limits, right? So <clears throat> they haven't shown either of those and, and a couple of other points as well that he made. No, it's, it's, it's very accurate. Rob, would you like me to sh uh, share the link and uh, go over that one resource so that people- Sure, yeah, please do, go ahead. All right, we'll get onto the page. All right, so um, when you go to actionforcanada.com, this is, uh, I'll just show you. All right, so this is our homepage and uh, you can search around. We've got a sidebar that gives some of our most um, popular links. So you have fast access, but right here under call to action are the notices of liability. And a couple of things that I want to bring to your attention is one, we've created an advanced medical directive. And many people I have heard ended up uh, having surgery, ended up in emergency. And when they woke up, it ends up that uh, in two instances that I know firsthand, they were asked, are you ready for your shot? And of course they were thinking pain medications. So they said yes, and they were injected with the COVID injection. And so I've been concerned if I end up in a car accident, I want to know that whoever it is that's tending to me absolutely 100% um, uh, understands my position on the COVID injection. And so we've, we've developed, it's just a piece of paper that you can cut. It's on our webpage under the notice of liability. I'll show you exactly where it is and in the sidebar that you can access this. So when you go to the actual card, this is what it looks like. So you can have four, you fold it in half. And on the back, it goes, uh, consider this your official and personal notice of liability. And then it's a, a QR code that goes to the notice of liability that is um, effective for medical personnel. And so on the, on the front of it, it goes, and I just want to point out when you have your medical card, you tape it on. We've made it a certain size so that we know that they would have to remove this in order to get your care card number, <laughs> okay. right? Sure. And by the way, for those listening in on our podcast uh, that can't see oh, right. the screen share here, um, all of this is available at actionforcanada.com. So that's action, the numeral for Canada, all one word, dot com. And that's where you can find these tremendous resources uh, to use to protect yourself and your family from onerous government intrusions. Go ahead. Thank you, Rod. All right, so it says COVID advanced medical directive. In case of emergency, I, Tanya, you can put your name in there, do not consent to any COVID-19 vaccination, testing, ventilators, or remdesivir, as is my right. It is an indictable offense to violate my right to refuse these treatments or to withhold any medical care because of it. If I need treatment for COVID-19, I insist that the treating physician use effective alternatives such as antivirals, vitamin C and D3, quercetin, zinc, HCQ, ivermectin, and inhalers. And then it gives the QR code with the Math Plus, which is the protocol that the frontline doctors in the United States are using very effectively and that doctors are following here, doctors who are on our side. Because when you get to the hospital and you have this new COVID pneumonia, they are wanting to put you on a ventilator and they're wanting to give you remdesivir. Remdesivir shuts your liver down, 
it felt fluid uh, um, surround your heart and it actually goes into your lungs and people are actually drowning in their own fluid and then they call it a COVID pneumonia death. Yeah. And so it's extremely important to know, um, get yourself some ivermectin, make sure you have the vitamin C and D in the house. I noticed that they are now banning all sorts of cough medicines and uh, the ones that are extremely effective in treating this, uh, it's just absolutely, as I said earlier, um, insidious and so evil uh, because they know they want to keep all of the proper medications and what could easily help you at home um, out of your hands, get you into the hospital where, of course, we're seeing uh, such a, a humongous amount of deaths. All right, so we'll go down uh, on this page as well. You will find the COVID testing notice of liability, vaccines. Uh, this is the one where you have parent-child notice of liability. And one is for a parent on behalf of their child. My children are both grown and adults, but I would still like to be part of this. As, I, as we were talking about the chapters, you said, what is it that they're doing? Our chapters are just so incredibly uh, rallying people within the community and they are serving the notices of liability to teachers, principals, school board trustees. And so many of them like me don't have children. So you can use the one that's called a concerned citizen. And that way you don't have to put your child's name at the bottom. There's post-secondary student notice of liability for uh, kids that are uh, obviously post-secondary uh, minors, Sports. Many parents have been concerned because we've got these sport committees who are saying that uh, your child needs to be double vaccinated in order to play hockey or soccer, which is insane. They're not medical professionals. They are absolutely, this is mal not malpractice, but um, as I said, um, unauthorized practice of medicine. Yeah. Yeah. And this is so effective that up in the north of BC, we've already had two people that were served on a committee, two men. They stepped down from the committee after receiving the notice of liability. Right. Student mass COVID notice, non-consent notice of liability to educators. I did a short video on this page and then the student notice is available. We're having great success with it. Like I said, for parents who are brave enough. I don't even, I hate even saying brave enough. Come on parents. This is absolute abuse to your children. Yeah. And it's insane. Anyways, there's a good video on there showing the before and after of kids with rashes on their face, rashes and burns all the way up their arms from the chemicals, uh, you know, etc. All right, then we go down. I'm just going to skip this additional vax mandate letter because that's the one I want to get to. Protect employees. There's a section here with any of the employer notice of liability, union notice of liability. It says in, right below it in red, new. And that letter must go along with the notice of liability. I had uh, created it back in October and the notices of course were made a few months uh, prior to that, but I, it's just essential that you include that letter. Uh, against elected officials, if you scroll down and then the public health nurses, physicians, pharmacists, firefighters, and anyone else who is uh, injecting anybody with this uh, harmful injection, they all need to be served and put on notice. Uh, then there's a business strategy. If you're a business owner, we have created the most effective uh, plan to keep your business open. We have uh, business owners that are using it and not having to follow the VAX 
pass protocol, and uh, they are coming up against the um, environmental health officers who were all hired for such a day as this to bully and coerce business owners to comply with the unlawful measures. And then uh, below that is a VAX pass. It's a notice of liability against business owners who are violating citizens' rights. And so we've got many business owners uh, who are on our side. And so we request that the notice of liability from employee to employer that they get their employees to serve them and that customers would serve them. And if you love the business owner, do this for them. If you love your teacher, serve them because it gives them a, uh, a, a, some defense against their supervisors or anyone else walking in saying, you're not following the orders. Well, no, because if I do, I could be held legally liable. I'm seeing that what you're asking me to do is unlawful. And then that's when the business owner could go to the notice of liability to protect their business. And any government official walking in, whether it's WorkSafe, whether it's the environmental health officer, they get their name, they tell them to stand outside, they fill out a notice of liability that's specially crafted for them, and, uh, and they serve them, and they tell them to get out. And so it is working beautifully. The most recent one I finally finished, and this should be the last one, was a notice of liability to the media. And again, this is where our chapters across Canada are heading up these campaigns to serve any reporter, any editor, anybody who is putting out false or um, um, bias information in holding to the COVID uh, false uh, pandemic. Okay. Um, premiers and health officials, of course, uh, as well. All right. So, and there's one for mobility rights. You can you can have, print this and have it on your person because we do not have borders uh, in Canada between provinces. We have boundaries, and you are free to cross those boundaries whenever you like. <laughs> All right. And then we've got yeah, and we've got some great flyers, notice of liability flyers. I I beg of you, please get the student parent vax warning flyer and hand them out to absolutely everyone at your school. Warn the parents. Let uh, young people know what it is that they're being forced to put in their body and coerced to do. Okay, so as a final, I will just pull this up. Now, Rod, this is so important that people would print this letter off and have it available to them, whether they're shopping and somebody tells them to get out because they're not wearing a mask or uh, not vaccinated, whatever the situation may be, this letter covers it. And so it starts out by saying, so you would put Bob Smith's name at the top, whomever it is. Again, we're not looking at anybody's title because we don't care. I don't care if it's the Prime Minister of Canada. That person has a duty to uphold the rule of law in Canada like all of us do. So it goes, the threat to use a COVID-19 injection, mask or testing as a condition of education, extracurricular activities, employment, essential or non-essential services. So this is a very broad uh, form that covers pretty much any scenario you can imagine where somebody is in violation of your rights and in infringing on them. 
There are no provisions, and this is straight, this sentence is straight from Rocco. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, Rocco Galati is a constitutional lawyer in Canada, and he is the one that's overseen um, our action against the BC and federal government. Okay, so there are no provisions in any orders of any health minister, doctor, or provincial legislation that can, nor pretend that any measures can, override charter or other pre-charter constitutional rights. So that's a very important sentence. I want people to memorize that. Then it goes on to say, to back up that sentence, all statutes, orders, bylaws, and acts must be consistent with the Constitution or they are no force or effect. And in Section 52.1 of the Constitution Act, it says the Constitution of Canada is the supreme law of Canada, and any law that is inconsistent with the provisions of the Constitution is, to the extent of the inconsistency, of no force or effect. I was in a situation where I was to speak before a mayor and city council, and they ended up shutting down the whole meeting, uh, called the RCMP, six RCMP show up to remove me peacefully. And um, I was prepared to give them this information. And the officer who doesn't have a clue about his oath that he's taking is quoting a bylaw, uh, a city bylaw. And it says right here that there is no bylaw if it is inconsistent with the constitution as of any force or effect. So afterwards, the uh, sergeant and I had a half an hour conversation. She was extremely interested, said, thank goodness for what you're doing. She says, because I'm not in a position I can. I said, but at some point you need to make a decision because this is your country too. So that's how powerful this is. All statutes, orders, and bylaws, all right? They have to be consistent with the uh, Constitution of Canada. And the Charter of Rights, as our good friend, Honorable Brian Peckford said, clarified when he was on our show a couple of weeks ago, that the Charter of Rights was intentionally embedded into the Constitution so that they could not, the government could not at a whim easily amend it. It would need, I believe, seven out of 10 um, premiers to agree, which would be a pretty scary predicament right now because easily 10 out of 10 would agree with them. But it said, it, I believe it's 50% of the population also had to be in favor of any amendment. That's, that's a tall, tough order. So we're pretty secure in having our constitution and our charter of rights melded together at this point to protect every single one of our rights. So the next incredibly important point that supports you, it says, according to the Public Health Agency of Canada, Canadian National Report on Immunization 1996, vaccines are not mandatory in Canada and they cannot be made mandatory because of the Canadian constitution. And so those two beautifully work together. And so where they're saying it's mandatory that you have to take a vaccination, lies, lies, and more lies. It, because this has not been amended. It is absolutely as effective today as it's ever been. And it says vaccines are not mandatory because of our constitution. If the federal government had invoked the Federal Emergency Act, which it never did, because Trudeau knew that he would have to demonstrably prove that we were in an emergency and it would have needed to go to the House for public input and debate, he would have lost all control. So he has made backroom deals with every single premier, paying them off provincially in order for them to implement. 
And every single premier has passed a bill within their province, a provincial bill, Bill 19, for instance, in BC, that says we're in a federal emergency, but they also bypassed the legislature, never demonstrably proved we were in a, an emergency, and never had public input and debate. Completely unlawful. Yep. So it says that even if the government had invoked the Federal Emergency Act, which this is not, it said, and whereas the governor and council in taking such special temporary measures would be subject to the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms and the Canadian Bill of Rights and must have regard to the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, which a lot of what uh, people's employment is, is in that particular um, one, particularly with respect to those fundamental rights, fundamental means guaranteed rights that are not to be limited or abridged even in a national emergency. I keep saying this is a drop the mic letter because every time we turn around, here is 100% proof that says that even if they enact a federal emergency, it can't mess around with your guaranteed rights. Right. Yep. So we'll just finish up. So with this, it goes, I then go into uh, section seven of the charter, which says you have the right to life, liberty and security of the person, which means you have security of the person covers the right to work. And it covers the uh, right to say what goes in your body. So you're, and then uh, the last of this goes to consent to medical treatment and testing. There's, uh, I believe, three Supreme Court rulings in here that says you have a right to say what goes in your body, to know what goes in your body, and to a right to refuse such treatment. The Genetic Non-Discrimination Act, it says that it's an indictable offense to do the testing and it is three to five years in prison and a million dollar fine. It's very serious that they are telling you that they can test you randomly, rapid testing. It's absolute horse manure. They can't do it and don't allow them to serve them the COVID testing notice of liability. So we finish up this very powerful letter and it goes extortion, committing tort, Privacy violations, willful misconduct, assault and battery, and acting in bad faith are serious indictable criminal code offenses. Interfering with someone's right to an education, extracurricular activities, employment, or non-essential services is a further violation of the Constitution and Charter of Rights. And I'm writing to advise you that if you persist in interfering with my guaranteed rights by supporting or enforcing the COVID injection, testing, mask, or any other medical treatment under threat of losing my right to an education, extracurricular, essential, um, non-essential services, that I will hold you personally liable for any loss of income, damages, and or injury I suffer as a result. And then, of course, closing it off with it is the duty of every Canadian citizen to uphold the law and respect the Constitution and Charter of Rights. Excellent, so, excellent. So this document, can you, for our listeners, tell them what this document is called? It's called the Additional Vax Mandate Letter of Response. Okay. And it is on the Notice of Liability page. And I've written new in bold, red. And then uh, there's two of them, one specifically for an employee to give to the employer, just customized for them. And then the other one, which I just went over with you, which is the broad one. Sure. But I just find this such a critical resource, Rod, um, and, and we're having great results with it. Well, you know, one great thing about what you're doing uh, and, you know, these terrible times we're living in are very troubling times, but uh, is it is engaging Canadian citizens in a way that many have not been engaged before, taking responsibility for their own decisions 
and interacting with government officials. And up until now, really, a lot of people haven't had to, uh, you know, think about this because they, they basically have gone about their business and haven't been troubled by government. Now, with government agencies uh, reaching into their lives and saying, you must do this, you must do this, uh, it's this uh, proactive uh, antagonism of the individual citizen. And uh, these kinds of resources that you have developed are helping Canadian citizens to rise up and say, no, I am a Canadian citizen. I have these rights. And, uh, and here's the information you need to know to avoid stepping on my toes and uh, interfering with my charter rights. So uh, I really appreciate that you have created these documents and these tools for the use of everyday Canadian citizens. Yeah, thank you, Rod. I always said that, you know, we've got a lot of great reporters out there doing independent news. We've got them listed here in our blog role. Um, but I just didn't want to tell people, I always say, and scare the bejeebers out of them. <laughs> I wanted to be able to give them tangible resources to actually stand in their freedom and defend their rights, as well as their children and our elderly who are also suffering. Um, maybe before I just come off of share screen, I'll just show people under join. And for those of you who are listening, Listening. Under Enjoying, I would encourage you to go drop down to the Empower Hour and anything where we've had David Lindsay on. Uh, David Lindsay has studied law for over 30 years, and I partnered up with David because I had wanted to press criminal charges against individuals. And David has written one of the only books in Canada on how to do that. So we've had workshops with David and step-by-step uh, -step instructions. And so go to the Empower Hour, get yourself educated. It's a few hours of your time. I've spent thousands of hours putting this website together and getting these materials together for you. So spend the few hours going over that material. And then also just below it is APRC chapters. It's impressive when you see that we had one chapter in Ontario in um, August when I was there. We have over 32 chapters. I mean, like I said, every town and community, we are got boots on the ground commencing all of our actions. And, and we are a force right now. Um, and then what I really want to just click on one more time is in under join, there's the Workers Unite group. And I want to see this 100,000, 200,000 workers signing on and joining this page because I have a couple of Zoom video calls that I've had um, with people that have come on employees. And I take them step by step on what they need to do to prepare themselves to take action against their employers. Uh, the Zoom calls, there's one on there right now. We're going to be uploading. Um, oh, no, no. I see somebody's been busy on my team. They've uploaded all the workers you uh, Zoom calls here so you can be busy and other information. And then as well, anytime there's a next workshop or something going on, I advertise it on this page. So it's Workers Unite under join. Highly recommend that you would uh, join this group. There was 25,000 healthcare workers in Quebec who walked off the job back in October because they were being mandated to vaccinate. And uh, after 25,000 walked off the job, the healthcare or uh, the health official got on there. And I always mock him because he's such a goof. And he was like, oh, he says, you know, we're going to put a pause on this. He says, but uh, in November, we're going to get her done. <laughs> and I thought, boy, you blinked. And and you know what? They know that you can't function 
without uh, medical staff. And so sure enough, November came and went and the, uh, the premier turned around and said, yeah, we're, we're not going to do this. And healthcare professionals are going to continue to work whether they've been vaccinated or not. So the reason I want this campaign as well to be number one, along with our chapters and along with all of our notices of liability and resources, because we will have the power to shut the federal government down or do whatever we need necessary, but we need people to join and, and to join Action for Canada. And so um, if you do, you have under join, you can uh, join the parents group, which meets every Tuesday at 3.30. The business team meets at 4.30. We have a pastor team that's going to recommence. We've had to put it on pause while we were opening up all the chapters. And uh, then we've got the Workers Unite group that meets on uh, Thursdays. So I need teams of people and also join your local chapter. Their email addresses are on that page. And we want everybody actively involved in implementing everything that we're doing. Um, Rod, you know what? I've been talking a lot, so I'm going to give it back to you for a minute, but we, we cannot end this call without going over the reason why uh, we're having so much success to make sure, because I want people to know there is no other organization in Canada that is doing what we're doing. And, and I give God the glory for that. I'm not saying that as, as you know something that's prideful. I'm saying because, again, it's God-inspired. And because of that, we're holding the line and we're going to continue to do what God lays on our hearts. Yeah, there's a principle, I've, and I was just thinking about this as you were talking about, you know, we're going after the government, we're going after, you know, individuals. Um, it's not that, and I know this, I know your heart, it isn't that you are trying to make life difficult for governments or for individuals. They have made life difficult for themselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, there is a, a principle of self-defense and defense of family, uh, defense of uh, freedom that kicks into gear when a, a person, an individual, a family, or even a nation is unjustly attacked. Uh, people talk about uh, just wars uh, and so on, like when they're uh, a, a nation, say Nazi Germany, or, uh, you know, attacks other nations and seeks to impose its will upon them. There is a principle where uh, responding in self-defense or defense of the vulnerable, defense of the defenseless is, uh, is in order and is justified and is honorable. And in this case, in Canada, we are being attacked by our own government, sort of like uh, having cancer, where this thing is attacking your own cells, uh, yes. the body's attacking itself. And we are standing up for, and you are, for a return to uh, common sense. You can hardly call it common anymore, but good sense, uh, justice, morality, truth, and freedom. And because we are under attack unjustly, by authoritarian figures who have gotten high on power and want to continue to ride that wave of, of power, corruption, greed, and uh, you know, self-aggrandizement. Um, it is just and right for us to stand up in defense of ourselves, our families, our communities, <clears throat> the children of this nation to say, no, thus far, no farther. We, we are reclaiming our right and responsibility as Canadian citizens uh, to walk in a way that is uh, 
honorable and and just and and to defend those who cannot defend themselves so uh thank you for doing what you're doing and you wanted to close with with some thoughts go ahead yeah and i thank you for that rod because it's very powerful words the what people don't realize is that the federal and provincial governments actually commenced war against its people nearly two years ago. And even leading up to it, I've been meeting with the top RCMP and communicating with them since, well, for two and a half years, it was regarding other issues, but especially from July of 2020 on, they are incredibly well-informed on what's going on. I even on the um, 30th of August, uh, so August 16th, we commenced legal action and filed our statement of claim against the BC and federal government. But what a lot of people don't know is that I'd written a 25 page statement of claim against Bonnie Henry and included the premier and the health minister and the safety minister within that. And um, I sat across the table from the second in command of the criminal investigative criminal investigative division for BC. And he's read through it and he said, oh, there's a very high threshold for commencing, you know, investigations. And I'm like, you got more than enough here. I had death certificates. I had all kinds of proof. So we're in quite a battle. Um, and so we've got to really be led by the Lord and we've got to get back to him and and serving our nation in a way that honors God. And I believe truly that this is why we're in this mess is because you can only turn your back on God for so long before he he loves you enough to get your attention. And mm. uh, he tried the nice way. Yeah. And people weren't listening. They got too comfy after World War II. And my parents both came through the war. So I know how much it took and what kind of work it took for them to become successful and the values that they instilled in me and the biblical values of exposing evil and, and uh, pursuing justice. And, and that's what we're doing. So back on under COVID-19, you'll see this report down here, government corruption. And I report, I wrote this report in March and uh, launched it in April of 2020. And everything that we're facing right now, I, I have in this report. Everyone that Trudeau was aligned with, I sent it to every single premier. They got it multiple times and, and they exactly knew, you know, what was going on from the onset they were in on this. No doubt in my mind. And I gave all that information to the RCMP and nothing. But we're going to get them because you, you know what? You can't defy God. He is still on the throne and very much in control. So I, I sent this action out and I just wanted uh, people to know some of the good news reports that were coming from our chapter leaders. So in Ontario, the Hamilton um, School Board had ended up voting no. They voted no against uh, mandating vaccinations for their teachers. They were served the notice of liability. They were followed up with phone calls and um, emails, etc. There was another team, Take Action Canada, also working on them. And then in Saskatchewan, it's uh, reported by two separate MLAs that Premier uh, Mo has talked about Action for Canada and our notices of liability in the legislature. And they are trying everything they can do to uh, respond to them as a province. Uh, it's not working, though. Uh, we've had incredible success through our chapter leaders, Pastor Ken and Bonnie uh, in, in um, Fredericton. They had, of course, put the uh, VAX for food in place. 
super tyrannical on December 4th, and they did a pots and pans rally outside the legislature, and uh, they served the notices of liability, they did phone calls and follow-ups, and the um, MLAs had to leave through this crowd, and they needed uh, security. Not that there was no violence involved, but they were feeling intimidated because the villagers have come out and said, no more, right? And so because of it, they've closed the legislature down and they're only working from home. But then there was a follow up of a, of, um, a, a rally that was against a market that's uh, run by the city and the province. And the day before they were going to have that humongous rally, uh, Ken and Bonnie got news that they ended up um, reversing, reversing the mandate with all of their excuses in Alberta. Oh, I was shocked about this, an insurance company. You know, for all the people that say, have told me, oh, Tanya, notice of liability don't work, and they've tried to trash me, and there's a small groups, even on our side, that we're trying to do this. RMA Insurance is an insurance company that covers the insurance for elected officials, specifically municipalities. And so they did a trash piece, piece um, and it's actually promoting hate within it, um, uh, comparing us to other organizations. Uh, it's called uh, Freedom on the Land and Sovereign Citizens who don't believe we have a constitution or a rule of law. Everything anti-action for Canada, we're fighting for the rule of law and constitution and we're owning it. And so they ended up coming up and, and making it out like people who served them were dangerous. And so I've, I've done a cease and desist notice to them. I'm waiting to hear back. I was going to have an actual uh, meeting with this Paul McLaughlin, but he canceled once he received my letter because his lawyers had advised him not to meet with me. So he better retract it, uh, but that is because all of our chapters and all of our wonderful Action for Canada members are serving notices of liability province-wide, province by province. And the last one I want to show you is we did this huge campaign in uh, BC because of our legal action that we commenced. The Minister of Education, Jennifer Whiteside, is listed as a defendant. And uh, so that was back in August that we had um, uh, filed that with the uh, BC courts. And all of a sudden, Jennifer Whiteside did not want to mandate vaccinations for teachers in BC. So the government ended up telling uh, school board trustees, all 60 of them, that they needed to have school board votes and vote to have teachers vaccinated. And so I quickly wrote a letter of response and we, my team ended up sending that uh, out. Priscilla is the head of our parents team. And as a result, we are just going to take a look. I've got to go into uh, that page because this is just so amazing. So between October 24th and November 27th, Priscilla was on there looking at the news every single day, trying to find out who'd had a vote and who hadn't. And as you can see, when you go to our campaign page, we've got every school district listed with a big red voted no beside it. So between October and November, within that month, 22 school boards out of the 60, 22 out of 22 ended up voting no because they were concerned about liability. And then all of a sudden it went silent and on December 10th, I found out that school board district uh, 23 from central Okanagan, the school board superintendent ended up um, putting out an email demanding that all school staff 
fill out a vaccination data collection notice. And so they were trying to, they're trying to set a precedent to go around another back door to get teachers to provide their private information. And then if they don't provide their private protected information, then they're going to end up putting them on um, mandated leave. And so we got on it right away. And I wrote a very strongly worded letter advising uh, Mr. Cardell, the notices was on the page, that it didn't matter what direction they came at this, it was in violation of the protected rights of employees, and that he was going to be holding him, uh, we're going to hold him personally liable, and that he's opening up his school board trustees again to risk. And and so I would imagine every time the government of BC took a look at this page, they were probably a little bit ticked off with Action for Canada and our success. And we're going to continue to fight because all of the thousands, there's 45,000 teachers in BC, only about 5,800 of them. They lied about that too. They tried to say 94% had had vaccinations. Only 5,800 have had vaccines. Hmm. That that means there's, you know, nearly 40,000 teachers that are being protected right now, and they're still working because of action, the work of Action for Canada. Yeah, excellent. So, excellent. Yeah. Work. I'm proud uh, of our team. This yeah. this this is what our team is doing. Join a chapter, become yeah, a chapter yeah. leader. <laughs> Danya, yes. Uh, uh, while you were talking, it occurred to me that each of us, not only citizens of Canada, but uh, every human being, has been given a notice of liability from God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. It's called the Bible. And he has yes. explained to us the, uh, the things that we should do and shouldn't do in order to remain, uh, you know, under his blessing. And, uh, you know, we have choices as individuals how to respond to God. And, but he's, he's made it clear there are consequences to taking certain actions. There's blessings, or uh, his his wrath is uh, something that we uh, can also expect if we violate his notice of liability, and that's exactly what you're doing. So what you're doing is very biblical. You are serving notice that, that there will be consequences, good or bad consequences, for people who choose to either protect the rights of other Canadians, their employee employees, the students in the schools, the teachers or those who violate them, choose to violate them. Of course, we believe that rights are not something that can be created by school boards or premiers or prime ministers. Rights are given by Almighty God to every human being on this planet. And uh, it is up to us as individuals and as governments to either protect those rights or if we violate them, we can expect uh, the consequences of the notice of liability that we have received. So thank you for what you're doing. God bless you. Uh, viewers and listeners, Tanya Gaw, actionforcanada.com. You can go there. You can get all this information that she's been talking about. And uh, we're going to be talking to you again in the future, Tanya, because uh, it's so exciting what God is doing through you and through your organization. Uh, we, we hear rumbles of it up here. I know many people in my area are uh, excited about your work and we we are as well. We will continue to uh, stay in touch with you and keep up your good work. Uh, Canada needs you and needs all citizens of goodwill, especially as we come into 2022. We've had nearly two years of craziness, uh, of oppression, of uh, confusion, chaos, and uh, 
we we want to return back to uh, a Canada that is governed by the rule of law and under the supremacy of God. So. Yeah. Well, thank you uh, so much, Rod, for allowing me the time to bring more awareness to what we're doing and facilitate and equip people, right, to stand in their rights. I really appreciate that opportunity to do that. Thank you. Wonderful. Thanks so much. And viewers and listeners, we'll see you again next week for another edition of CHP Talks. Thanks for listening to CHP Talks. For more content you don't want to miss, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast, CHP Talks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. To view our weekly episodes in a video format, you can find us on Brighteon at brighteon.com forward slash channel forward slash CHP Canada. On BitChute at bitshoot.com forward slash channel forward slash CHP Canada. Now, social media censorship and the cancel culture have restricted what we can discuss on YouTube. But most of our programs can still be found on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash C forward slash CHP Canada. Thanks for joining us. Please share this information with others. After all, speaking the truth is an act of love. I'm Rod Taylor, National Leader of CHP Canada and your host of CHP Talks. See you next week.